At the end of the scherzo movement in the symphony's original version, Mahler suggests a suitable pause before the next movement. The radical change in mood seemed to him to necessitate a moment of silence, for what follows is one of the strangest, most uncanny movements ever included in the symphony before then. In this movement, Mahler presents a grotesquely ironic funeral march, whose main theme is based, of all things, upon the popular children's round Frere Jacques, known in German as Bruder Martin. To more aptly fit the occasion, Mahler sets the tune in the minor key, thus completely changing its character from that of a light-hearted, carefree nursery rhyme to a doleful funeral march. Mahler admitted that even as a child, Bruder Martin struck him not as being gay, as it usually was sung, but rather deeply tragic. That gives us some idea of Mahler's strange character. As indicated in Mahler's original program for the symphony, this curious movement was inspired by a well-known woodcut by the 19th century German artist Moritz von Schwind, entitled The Huntsman's Funeral. It depicts a hunter's funeral procession in which the pallbearers and other celebrants are not his companions or fellow huntsmen, but the very animals he stalked. Von Schwind, as a romantic artist like Mahler, was fascinated with, if not deeply troubled by, death in the abstract as was Jean-Paul Richter and E.T.A. Hoffman, romantic writers of a much earlier period. In von Schwind's woodcut, the pole-bearing animals are far from sullen or gloomy. They even appear to celebrate the death of their predator as a conquest. In his original program, Mahler also referred to an etching by the French artist Jacques Callot, who lived from 1592 to 1635, Presumably, Mahler intended to indicate that this movement has much in common with Callow's artistic penchant for grotesque irony as it relates to the themes of fate and death. Much like the early romanticism of Hoffmann, Eichendorf, and Jean-Paul Richter, the concept of death was presented with a devilish, sometimes ironical twist. The theme of poetic justice, implicit in the von Schwind woodcut, so captivated Mahler that it probably served as an essential element in the conception of the movement. Mahler's own sense of the macabre or grotesque, whether in the service of the ironical, parodical, or diabolical, already had manifested itself in several of the, of the Wunderhorn songs, particularly those dealing with military subjects or legendary tales in which personification of animals plays a leading role. After the canonic Frère Jacob funeral march theme seems to have played itself out, Mahler conjures up a nostalgic reverie in which recollections of joyful moments in the life of the hero flash before the mind, as if in a daydream. The middle section uses the last of the Wayfarer songs for its principal thematic material. An abbreviated version of the funeral march closes one of Mahler's most fascinating symphonic movements. At the outset, the funeral march tread is immediately established in very soft timpani strokes that Mahler directs to be played in a solemn and measured fashion without dragging the tempo. The repeating march tread uses falling fourths, the symphony's basic motto. After just two measures, a muted solo double bass in its highest register ekes out the Frere Jacques tune in D minor. Mahler's choice of such an unmelodic instrument as a double bass was purposeful. 
In fact, he substituted the double bass for the cello in one of his numerous revisions of the score before the first published edition. Mahler obviously intended to set the tone of the movement immediately as one of grotesque irony by both his choice of this gruff instrument to introduce the Frère Jacques tune, but also by having it played in the instrument's high register. Thus it sounds strained and craggy. It would therefore be inappropriate and even counterintuitive to have the double bassist use too much vibrato to sweeten the tone quality. Mahler's perverse treatment of the nursery rhyme tune could imply that the childlike innocence thus far pervasive in the symphony has turned sour, just as the innocence of the animals portrayed in the von Schwind woodcut has been subverted into vengeful animus against their predator. Mahler makes inventive use of canonic imitation, akin to a round, in which the tune is usually sung. He directs that each entrance of the tune in a different instrumental group be played slowly and without any crescendo, so that the build-up in layers of sound increases the dynamic level naturally. As the round continues, the solo oboe enters with a counter-melody, which is completely out of keeping with the solemnity of the occasion. Instead of a plaintive theme, which would be expected in a funeral march, the oboe plays a rather cocky Austrian dance tune, stated softly but with defiance. Notice the contrast between the clip-dotted rhythm of the oboe's counter-theme, characteristic of bohemian dance music, and the simple four-square rhythms of the Frere Jacques tune. Here we can sense the effect of von Schwind's etching on the music most tellingly. One can just imagine the victorious animals pompously strutting before the dead hunter's coffin in feigned solemnity that turns to arrogant derisiveness. The use of what amounts to a village band to play the doleful main theme is one of many instances in which Mahler creates an ironical effect that might appear banal by reason of the thematic content. Mahler's ironic wit becomes even more outrageous as the funeral march eases into a slow Yiddish dance tune in D minor, played by two oboes in minor thirds, combined with a counter-theme for trumpet duet, also in thirds, accompanied by a double-time variant of the opening march tread. Mahler certainly would have heard music of this sort in his youth, 
possibly at a Jewish wedding celebration. Despite Mahler's alleged aversion to Jewish ritual, Yiddish music must have had some effect, since it provides him with melodic material by which to evoke a nostalgic reverie of happier times long gone by. Suddenly this dance tune is abruptly interrupted by a more spirited one, also in D minor, on E-flat clarinets and bassoons, a fascinating combination of pitches and timbres. It begins off the beat on a rising fourth, and is accompanied by an umpa rhythm played quietly by a Turkish cymbal and bass drum, trading upbeats and downbeats with tapping rhythmic accompaniment on the strings. Clip-dotted rhythms and grace-noted figures indicate the influence of gypsy music. Mahler directs that this brief segment be played with parody, another indication of his whimsical intentions. These two dance themes are intended to evoke a feeling of nostalgic reverie, romanticized memories of the carefree days of youth and the joys of early manhood. After only a few measures, the music eases its way back to the Yiddish oboe theme, now played by the violins and supported by the trumpet counter theme, imitated in inversion by woodwinds. In a lighter orchestral treatment, the succeeding umpa dance tune also returns briefly just as softly as before, but with more zest, generated by a delightful upward swoop of a seventh in flute and violins. One of Mahler's most masterful transitions now follows. As the tonality shifts back to the minor, the second Yiddish dance tune returns, now sounding more wistful than before. Almost unnoticeably, the original march tread enters on the timpani and lower strings. Memories of past happiness now fade, and the reprise of the funeral march, with its tragic irony, brings us back to stark reality. As the funeral march slowly fades away on a short cadential figure, the tread peters out and the rhythm becomes more syncopated until it gradually settles on a steady rhythmic pattern. Out of these reconfigured rhythms, the movement's middle section emerges. We seem to be floating on a billowy cloud that carries us into a serene dream world. Here we linger, consoled by the soothing sounds of a romantic idol to lost love. A song theme softly enters in muted strings. 
Here again, Mahler quotes himself. The string's dreamy theme is the very same melody that Mahler introduced in the middle section of the song Die Zwei Blauen Augen, the last of the Gazellen songs. Mahler referred to its appearance here as a tender recollection of lost youth and love. The words of the song convey the same meaning. The entire middle section is virtually a direct quotation of the second half of the song, beginning with the words Auf der Straße steht ein, to the very end, including the rhythmical transition passage. The melody of the song theme begins on a rising fourth that is repeated an octave higher in the midst of the theme, thus referring to the symphony's motto, as well as each of the folk themes presented in the B section. The use of two horns for the vocal line, originally sung to the song's final words, Lieb und Leid und Welt und Traum, evokes a feeling of tender farewell. This is the same passage as in the original song.
A short pause follows to allow the listener a moment to awaken from this nostalgic dream before returning to the doleful music of the funeral march. It returns in a capsulized version of the opening section, somewhat more agitated than before. Mahler directs that the Austrian dance tune heard toward the opening of the movement in the oboe be played arrogantly, first by the E-flat clarinet and then on a flute. Before the flute is finished, trumpets and thirds enter on a new Yiddish-sounding tune that replaces the oboe dance theme heard earlier, although related to it. The umpa dance tune immediately follows without any tempo change and in lighter orchestration than before. Suddenly, the music plunges headlong into an, a much faster version of the umpa dance tune, an example of Mahler's midstream tempo shifts that often unexpectedly break both the pace and the mood. Hardly has this umpa theme time to assert itself before the tempo eases up on a lovely cadential phrase in violins that appeared earlier at the end of the funeral march. Then the Yiddish oboe theme finally returns, here played softly by oboes, clarinets, and English horn. Here it sounds somewhat more melancholy than it did before the bridge passage to the middle section. Violins and muted cellos follow with an inverted version of the theme set against the original tune in contrary motion, its gentle strain sounding like a tender lullaby. When the march tread softly starts up again in the timpani, we realize that it actually was never absent, for it was hidden in pizzicato low strings throughout the previous section. Mahler provides a delightful touch here by referring to the last three notes of the nursery rhyme tune on the harp. The brash, arrogant theme played earlier by the oboe asserts itself, now played soberly by a solo bassoon, with none of its former arrogance. It finishes with a flick on the cello and a hutched pizzicato treatment of its last few notes on the violas. In typically Mahlerian fashion, fragmented references to earlier music end the movement. 
the music slowly fades on the original march tread over the final appearance of the falling fourths in bass clarinet. Two hardly audible strokes on bass drum doubled by pizzicato plucks on the double basses end the movement quietly. We are left in complete silence to await the onset of the magnificent finale in which Mahler will respond to the intrusion of death in the midst of life represented by this ironic parody of a funeral march. 